Welcome to HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. As always, I am Mike Chisholm. As always, I am excited to be here. And I say that with little to no hyperbole whatsoever. I love doing this. It's my favorite time of the week. I enjoy talking to guests, picking their brain, all in the realm of men's mental performance, mental wellness, um, all of that stuff. If you haven't subscribed to HeCast yet. What the heck are you waiting for? Please, please hit that subscribe button. It makes a difference on our metrics. We need people to subscribe. It's okay that it's in your history. That's amazing. But if you could actually subscribe, that would be great. If you could share, that would be even better. We would appreciate that so much. For any man listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, if you haven't downloaded the He Changed It app, download it. Is it in its beta form? Yes, it is. Does it still have value already? Yes, it does. There's lots of cool things happening in this movement that we call He Changed It, and we are so excited for the future. I mean, my gosh, I've seen the roadmap as to what is going to be in this app. Unbelievable things coming. Please download the app, please sign up and become part of this He Changed It movement. Hey, let's change the world. Hey, let's make the world a better place for men. Because if we make the world a better place for men, guess what? Everyone else is going to benefit too. You know, then women, then kids they are going to benefit too. I talk about how excited I am when I do these podcasts. Again, not even a little bit of that is exaggeration. I love talking to people uh, about the topics of the day pertaining to where men are at. Today is um, absolutely no exception to that. Today, we have a guest named Davis Wiggs on our podcast. He is a counselor. He is a counselor that I met um, during an exploratory, I don't even know what you want to call it, a committee. There was a group of us that all got together and we were working with the Canadian Mental Health Association as they were building uh, and are building the very first course that is going to be uploaded into the He Changed It um, network. It is going to be a uh, men's communication course. Very, very exciting. I've seen the blueprint of this thing. It's going to be very cool. Um, and Davis was actually part of that same uh, that same group. And we were brainstorming and we were going through all of the things that we would love to see in this course. And, and, and we had all sorts of perspectives. And immediately I zoned in as, as we were all in that Zoom grid of faces all looking at each other and talking and, and, and having that uh, electronic synergy. I immediately zeroed in on Davis because his is a vantage point. Uh, he's 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 got a brain that I want to pick. He's a counselor. He's a counselor that's about 20 years younger than I am, uh, which puts him into a different generation. I'm always curious about the generation gap, and it's fascinating to see that as we grow. And um, not only that, he is a counselor that has uh, a, a specific um, point of view that is very um I just, you know what, we're going to get to it as I introduce him. But um, needless to say, I'm super, super excited for this. Davis Wiggs, thank you so much for agreeing to take time out of your very busy, busy schedule and be part of HeCast today. Thank you. I'm yeah, excited to have to you here, here man. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. So at the time of this <laughs> broadcast, this is your first podcast. Oh, it's my first podcast. <laughs> so a little bit of the nerves there. So. Oh, no, no, no. They're going to be gone in a second. And I know they're going to be gone in a second because uh, you and I have a, a wonderful, um, very easy conversation space. And I and I mm. love that. Um, I love when I'm able to have that easy conversation space with people in their 20s. Um, I'm a guy who's in my mid-40s now. And I find that um, even though... 
Gen X was a generation where we prided ourselves in acceptance. We prided ourselves in in in, in being different from those baby boomer dinosaurs that raised us and 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 having a different different type of culture. Yeah. Uh, the generation gap's a real thing. And yeah. and even though we thought we were so enlightened, I yeah. look at the way that I just naturally speak sometimes and some of these inclinations that I have. And folks in their 20s who I have this dynamic with are able to say, okay, Mike, shouldn't maybe say that if you don't want to offend people. Right. And it doesn't even occur to me. So I really appreciate it when uh, I can sit with somebody and talk with somebody and we have that dynamic. Yeah. Um, you're a counselor mm -hmm. and you view your counseling uh, profession as way more than a profession. This is something that at this phase of your life, safe to say you were born to do this. You were meant to do this. Yeah, it was something that I didn't initially think I was, you know, good at. I was definitely something, it was definitely something that I didn't really think I was going to be doing. Um, I never really had like those aspirations and like dreams. It was just more of like things just kind of came and flow. And like, it was just, you know, I was there for people and I listened. And um, as soon as it came to university, I was at that point where I was like, yeah, I want to be a counselor. And so you, you, you were that friend in high school. If you went to high school with Davis, you were the guy that if, if somebody was going through something, you were really good at listening. Oh, I was very good at listening. Um, I was good at listening more than I was just talking just because I think that a lot of the stuff that I listened to was just a lot of the, you know, the high school drama and like all that stuff. But it was, I think in the long run, I think it was more than that because I've made connections with people that, you know, I have been friends with in high school, like for the past five, 10 years. And yeah. so like, they know that I am there for them and they know that, you know, it's like you were, you know, I've got comments on Facebook of like, you know, you were there for me and, you know, I didn't take, I, like, I didn't say anything and I want to give you credit now for helping me, you know, with this and this and such and such, you know, it's just, it's crazy to see that, like, I'm friends with a lot of these people now. So, um, being a counselor, would you say the number one skill that you need to be an effective counselor is listening? Yes, I think so. I think it, it's very, it's innate in a way, but at the same time, when you do go to school, for example, it's definitely something that you learn. Yeah. Um, but then you learn that you're, you know, obviously either good at it or not good at it. <laughs> so it's definitely something that I've um, I wanted to go to school for because I knew that I could be like, yeah, I can do well in these courses because I know I know what it takes. Uh, you say uh, to be a good listener or not a good listener. Mm -hmm. What's the definition of not a good listener? Um. What are some attributes of somebody yeah. who isn't good at it? <laughs> that's that's a good question because I've never been asked that question before. Um, yeah, being a good listener, um, for example, is somebody who takes the time to just sit there and be present with the person mm -hmm. and being able to acknowledge what that person is talking about. If It might be how their day is going. It might be, you know, I'm doing the dishes and this is what happened or whatever it might be. And not a good listener is, I mean, somebody who, you know, might not be good at it as other people, but have more of a, I guess they talk more than they listen. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I have never been really good at is a lot of that talking aspect. I've been more just like the, I guess the the target, I guess. <laughs> I think a lot of men um, are feeling that these days a little bit. There's, there's even, there's even uh, short-term uh, derogatory terms. You think about the term mansplaining. Mm 
Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe somebody who who hears somebody going through something and they immediately kind of jump in and 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 try and fix the problem or you know, it might yeah. not even be from a nefarious place. It's just a yeah. a place of not being present, immediately um being in a place where they're waiting to speak. Well, exactly. Rather than being yeah. kind of excited to listen. There's philosophies out there that talk about, you know, um, you know, two ears, one mouth or 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 be quick to listen, slow to speak. Um and in counseling, obviously, that is a massive Massive advantage if you can be good at that. Well, and there's that communication aspect, right? Like it's definitely something that we're, you know, that's a learning experience in itself is that communication piece. I think even if it's in relationships, if it's um, if you're out on a day to day basis with people that, you know, that you might come across with that you don't know or that you've known for a really long time. And, you know, it's definitely something that um, can still be. I think communication is something that kind of takes on its form like. 10, 20 years forward. It becomes a, um, yeah, it is a skill like that. And it yeah. can be a, a journey to okay. become a better communicator. Um, I think a big part of it is mindfulness. Yeah, Many people just don't even, they're just running on autopilot and they're just acting, uh, you know, they're surfing, they're surfing their id almost a little bit where they're just, yeah. um, whatever is there, it just comes out and they're not necessarily even thinking about um what they're hearing or even what they're saying. It's just a lot on autopilot. Yeah. Um, in your practice, obviously that's the exact opposite. You're, you're yeah. good at kind of slowing things down and just saying, okay, let's get to the heart of things and let's really start dissecting things. Yeah. And that's, that's where a lot of the counseling comes into play is when people are going through things like trauma or anxiety or depression or that kind of thing. And so in my practice, I tend to more listen to what you know, they have to say, and, you know, all counselors are different. And so that plays into mine where I'm more of playing into that mindfulness aspect of, I do a lot of those mindfulness practices as well. Yeah. And so a lot of those mindfulness practices, like, you know, doing like a body scan or deep breathing, that kind of thing at the beginning can, you know, even if it's for, like for the first time somebody's doing it, or if they've done it before doing it in that kind of space is very, it can be very vulnerable, but it's also very much a place of, like, yeah, I feel safe here because I know that, you know, I know that you're not going to tell anybody because we're in this safe space. together. Yes. And that's the thing. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you so much is because this is a safe space. You're a guy who I naturally, again, even over Zoom, when I first met you over Zoom in that course, yeah. it's like, oh, this is a guy that I naturally just feel safe talking to. I feel like I can ask you anything mm -hmm. and there, um, the answers that you give will have no judgment associated with them whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, have you always been that guy? I've always been like that my whole life. I've always been very vulnerable and I sometimes think it's good to be vulnerable, but at the same time it's not, but I don't, I take that aspect in to myself and say, you know, like, where am I coming from? Mm. And where is that, you know, like, how am I, how am I feeling in those moments? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I take those moments and I, and I push them out and I'm like, I, I want people to know that I am an open book and you can ask me anything because, um, I'm not in that aspect afraid to say, to say what is on my mind. And, you mm -hmm. know, you can ask me anything that you want. And so that's, that's where that vulnerability plays into, you know, my every like day to day life, you know, and like, yeah. you know, for example, like I'll have like I'll go on, you know, I'll go to work and that's, you know, I I'll tell my coworkers anything because, you know, they are a place where I can 
say things like that. And they know that a lot of that stuff is, you know, not necessarily confidential. Um, and that's, well, some might yeah. think it is, well, yes, but then, yeah. and then, but then at the end of the day, when you're vulnerable, it's, it's making that choice to say, okay, I'm making this aspect, not confidential in that sense. I'm willing to yeah. share this. And in that, I mean, I assume that is a huge, huge part of building trust. I mean, if yeah. you've got a, if you've got a, a, a client sitting in front of you mm -hmm. um, who is attaching themselves to that stigma of counseling, I want to talk about that, yeah. um, where they're afraid, you know, they're not, maybe not sure why they're there. Maybe they're there because other people have told them to be there. There are a whole plethora of, 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 of what ifs could be sitting there. You being willing to let it be a give and take where you actually are able to um, be that vulnerable and, 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 and open up that much of yourself, that mm -hmm. must go a long way into building trust with people. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, I've learned that like, I've just finished my internship and I'm almost like there to like be a registered counselor. So I'm like, I'm just like itching to just like get into the meat of things and, you know, to do my own practice like in the future. And so that's something that I want to be able to do is provide that space for people who are going through those things and you know like you said like they might not have anything to talk about and like i don't know why i'm here and yeah. you know and then you just ask the question what what are you doing here what has brought you here and so then you know and then that kind of you know they might not talk they might not we can just sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and just like you know be silent and then that's our session but like you know it's it it's that connection and i think that even if you are quiet for that whole time that we're sitting there that's something that that's power in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where do you practice right now? I practice at uh, the district uh, here in Kelowna. Okay. Um, it's called William and Associates Counseling Services. Yep. So they provide um, counseling to people who are going through um, addictions and trauma, mostly trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of the interns that work there are going through things like uh, they work with people who are going through like anxiety and depression. So that's kind of their main aspect there. And the majority of your clients are men. The majority of them are, yes. So yeah. let me let me throw this curveball at you. Is there a, is there a number one? If there was one thing that um, you are seeing a trend, something that it just yeah, I see this more than anything else. Um, what would that be? Oh yeah, that's a big question. Um, a lot of the clients that I do see um, are more like probably middle like middle-aged men probably between like 30 and 50 or guys 60. my age yes yeah, yeah. Well, oh you'll yeah. have a lot of work there you pick the right you <laughs> yeah. pick the right the right course there's a lot of work with my generation well and <laughs> and with that generation comes a lot of anxiety and depression and like their childhood and like you know the way they've grown up and you know their parents might have something that you know that they didn't have, like they don't have now. So like there's some people who don't have a relationship with their family or there's some people who are just disconnected from everybody and just, you know, want to be themselves, but their family's putting them too much pressure on them to be somebody that they're not. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that I see is um, from that generation is that men aren't afraid, like are like there's that myth that men should keep their emotions in and right. shouldn't shed their emotions. Yes. And so I get a lot of men who are saying things like, for example, like, um, uh, I don't cry because, um, my dad like would, you know, in retrospect, you know, yep. ab be abusive in that yep. sense. And like, you know, and that's, um, 
that's something that really touches me because it's something that I never grew up with and I never had to go through. And so then to hear that is like, wow, like that's like, let's talk about that. Well, and, and, and I mean, let's, you use the word abuse and you did it really carefully. And I appreciate you, you doing that. Um, I want to explore that a little bit because at the end of the day, the definition of abuse has been a moving set of goalposts really yeah. like, like what was considered abuse, uh, what's considered abuse now, mm-hmm. um, you know, 20 years ago was commonplace. And mm-hmm. that, that statement can probably be said for every 20 year period for the last oh, 100% X yeah. amount of time. So, so, so really we're really honing in on what things like what uh, abuse or childhood trauma, things like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, you got a childhood who have a, a child who had a, or an adult who had a perfectly normal childhood um, without any, you know, they were never beaten. They were never whatever. But at the end of the day, it could have been somebody just talking to them wrong with it. It's like childhood trauma is still childhood trauma. Our brain doesn't really have the, 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 the scope to uh, define the severity of it. Right. Trauma is trauma. Yeah. And if we don't recognize and deal with that trauma, many times that's going to cause a block in our adult lives. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so you actually hit it like right on the head there. It was, you know, trauma is something that, um, you know, it's not just stress, anxiety, or depression. It's like, they've gone through things where it's kind of their development of childhood has like come to a stop. So they're having to protect themselves from their child, from their, family who right. is being abusive so like they're you know like a, what do you think like what do you think like a regular kid does like on a day-to-day basis like go you know go to you know go to the playground play with your friends like hang out with them but there's some families who don't do that because it's they're trying to protect themselves from whatever abuse that they're coming from they're in the family wow. and so like you know and so that really hits home for a lot of them because i'll touch on that and it'll really touch them and then it's really hard for them, like I said before, to shed those emotions because it's just like it's very much just like netted in themselves and they just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, unpacking that must be I mean, every person that you do this with must be like their own little unique Fabergé egg of of, 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 a, of a puzzle to yeah. try and unpack some of that stuff. Does that stuff fascinate you? Yes, it does. Yeah. And like like you said, like a puzzle, like that's something that I go by because it's like putting that puzzle pieces together. So they're all separate on one. You know, what do you think? It's like when you lay it out all on the table, it's yeah. like they're just like puzzle pieces all over the all over the table. And then you're, what you're trying to do is just trying to figure out where those pieces fit. And so that works with in counseling is that you're trying to figure out um, where this piece fits and where that piece fits. And so that's something that I try to work on with my clients is to bring them in and hone in on a lot of the things that they've been going through throughout their childhood and they like try to make those connections. And so then those puzzle pieces are like one, two, and then just kind of like it all fits together. And then, and then it just all, yeah, it just all comes together. uh, You know, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say, like with a lot of my clients that I deal with, like it's they're all different, all unique. Um, that being said, just like every puzzle is unique, you get a, you get five different thousand piece puzzles yes. in front of you with yeah. different pictures on them. Those are very unique, but there are tactics, techniques that you use. You know, we're going to start with the corner pieces and we're going to start with the border and kind of go around that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to counseling, all of these different individual cases are there things like our listeners can listen to i mean we've got people that are listening to this that have um they know that okay maybe i should go to counseling but it's so deep-seated and it's just like no i'm not going to go and do that yeah yeah um are there are there frameworks of 
I, I don't want to use the word advice. I mean, are there frameworks of techniques or things that people can do to be mindful and to think about some of these things that um, uh, that that are consistent through all of these different pictures that you see? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's quite the question in itself, too. Sure. Um, yeah. It's it, when they're seeking this you know, help from them or they're wanting to seek help for themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's difficult. It is. Um, it's just where to start. And a lot of that starting position is knowing that, you know, that you have people around you who are, you know, that are wanting to get help for you or that, you know, they're at a point where like, I can't help you anymore. So like, I'm going to push you on to you know, somebody else. Right. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a frustrating thing. It is. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Um, without, you know, obviously breaking any confidences or anything like that. If you had a, I mean, are they called breakthroughs? Like you think about break people have breakthroughs or, or, or something, they have a defining moment where suddenly they went from here and they went to there Yeah. Uh, without using any names or anything like that. Is there one specific that you could think of as, as as I say that, that, that are, has been a highlight for you in your career so far? Yeah. Um, I actually had a conversation with the counselors that, uh, actually had a conversation with my supervisor throughout my internship, um, about these kinds of things and like about the clients that I'm talking about, he actually asked that same question. And I have one client in particular that I saw who was, uh, like, a like I did like 10, 11 sessions with them. Um, and they were very much at a place where the trauma got to a point where like in our first session, it was like, he had never talked about it to anybody before. Right. And so like, he'd never talked to his family. He'd never talked to, you know, his, his family, his friends. And it just, it was just all packed in because he didn't think he could talk about that kind of stuff. And so when it came to like our sixth session, um, it was, I revisited a lot of those stuff that we had talked about in our goals and what he had learned and everything. And he goes, had he opened up by this point about any of this stuff to you or did it all come no. flooding so, out at that point? No. So it all came flooding out at my wow. six, at the sixth session. So like a lot of the stuff that we were talking about, like he was very quiet. Like a lot of my sessions are just an hour, right? There's just yeah. an hour for them to talk about what they've been going through. And I do a lot of these therapeutic techniques that get them to kind of talk about, you know, their family and get them to open up about their, you know, what kind of anxiety they have or whatever they're dealing with. And But you do that before the sixth session. Like you've gone through six hours or six 45 minute sessions with this person. Yes. And gone through some of this stuff. And then suddenly an hour six, session six. Yes. That yeah. is when the truth starts to come out. Well, yeah. And so what I do with a lot of my clients is I give them oh, like, I wouldn't say homework, but I do, I give them like, I guess a challenge for like the next week before our next session. So a lot of that stuff, if for example, they haven't talked to any other family members about any other trauma that he has been going through, mm-hmm. then I suggest to them to take that next step and talk to your older sister about, or younger brother or whoever is in your family about what they experienced. Right. And so I take them to that next step. And so this, it's getting it out, but then applying yeah. uh, a piece of uh, an action, applying yeah. an action to that as to how to kind of repair that or to um, to let it go. Well, exactly. Right. And so they have a hard time letting it go because of a lot of that initial like rapport that I have with my clients. Yeah. So like, you know, that first session is always like we're complete strangers. Yep. So like I'm, you know, like, it would be like you, it, like from you and I, yep. but like, you know, it's 
we have that connection now, you know? And so, but that initial connection is always very, I always tell them it's like, oh, it's very awkward because it's like, you're just, you know, you're talking to a stranger for an hour in your first session. Right. And then, but when you get to the sixth session, you have talked to someone who you pretty much know their life story. Right. And so that's, you know, that's something that, you know, if you go on like a date, for example, (laughs) you're not going to get that. Right. Like if you go on like a sixth date or wherever it might. It's always the best face. Move, you know forward exactly at that point yeah and so it's like that with counseling too people put their best face forward for the first couple sessions and then it starts to yeah then you start to see the 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 realness the authenticity start to come out a little bit and you see the real person a little more well exactly and so i mean back to your original question of like yeah. as was there somebody and there was somebody and so this person in particular was because in that succession they were able to like say everything that they did and everything that they learned and um And then he wanted to continue counseling. So we did like four or five more sessions. And, you know, and then he said, I think I'm going to stop counseling for now because I think I'm at a place where I'm able to go and live my life right now. I might come back later, but I need to, you know, this is just for like more an example. This isn't specifically what they said. I want to destroy a stigma right here. Yeah. Because there's so many people out there that think going and, uh, you know, having some sort of therapy, whether it's counseling or or whatever it is, um, um, where they they believe that oh this is a trap this is somebody who just wants to get me doing this and paying my money forever and ever and ever and i never get any better yeah i'm hearing it right now yeah how jazzed were you when this guy said okay you know what i think i'm good for now <laughs> and you saw that like i'm feeling the energy right now like the, yes, the yeah. pride that comes off you yeah. you want these people to not be your clients yes eventually yeah you want them to get to that place where they have these breakthroughs where they don't need you anymore because they've seen light that you have helped um, create for them. Well, exactly. And I mean, there's a lot of that like housekeeping stuff that obviously we have to get done with like the confidentiality and being in that safe space and whatever it might be. And, um, when I'm having that connection with them, um, it's definitely difficult at a moment where you're trying, you're letting them go, Yeah. you know? And so that moment of letting them go and then like being like, wow, I'm not going to see them for I don't know. Could when. be a year. Could be whenever. Exactly. You never know. Yeah. 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 That's a surreal feeling. Yeah. And it's like sometimes I've I've had clients in particular where I've done like a like they've had like a breakthrough. Like I've had like one client who had like this, you know, like could handle their anxiety because they have these coping mechanisms to go with to take with them. Yeah. And so when they did have that, they it was funny. They booked a session with me and they just wanted to sit there with me and tell them that like how much they really enjoyed the process of being able to, you know, sit there with me and talk about what they've been going through. And they wanted to share what, you know, what things they've been doing that, you know, what their coping styles are are right now and what they've been doing. And it's like, it's so exciting. And so when she, and so when she left, for example, like, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd, I say this and not just for, you know, men and women, but like, but I've had clients who like, I've done like a happy dance, you know? And so like, it's just like that happy dance, like, you know, being in the like, I'll like close the door of the counseling office and just do this like big, like, like, oh, my God, this is like, I can't believe I just did that. Right. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh, you must see both ends of the spectrum. You see joy like that. And then there must be the heartbreak on the other side of things, too, where people aren't. Yeah. Be it willing or in a place to, to you know, they step up to the precipice, mm-hmm. you know, of, oh, yeah. and, 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 and they know. They know they need to jump off oh, yeah. and jump into that place and they're terrified. And, and that must be um, 
you can tell how empathetic you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, I, I, I can feel it right. Um, hear it in your voice. That must be really difficult when you know that just that nudge is going to help them, but they're not willing to take that, that step. Yeah. And well, sometimes I want to push myself even more, right. I want to push myself to that point where I'm, you know, like now that I'm almost a registered counselor, it's like, I want to be able to help more people with a lot more things. And I'm looking for more opportunities to, you know, do things and like experiences to better able to help my clients and better able to help those people. Um, and I, I want to do that because I know that I got that when I was a kid and I, and I can say that I was quite privileged when I was, you know, like looking at it now, because like I I grew up in an environment where it was like very much nurturing and very much like, you know, they take care they took care of me. And like, I had that space, but there's some people who are just like, I had none of that. Okay. So I want to use, I want to, I want to talk about that word right now. Cause this is one of those generation gaps things I was talking about when I was, when I, when I was doing the intro to this thing. Um, there's a lot of folks in my generation who have got a problem with that word privilege and how the word has come to the forefront, what it means in 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 our in our culture. A lot of misconceptions uh, about what it means. Uh, you know, they feel like it's an attack if they're told that they're privileged, that kind of thing. You, it rolls off your tongue like it's nothing. Right. Um, when you say that I was privileged, what does that mean? What does that mean to you to say that I was looking back on things? I was actually very privileged. Privilege to me means that I got the. I guess with my parents, I got the, you know, like I said, I was very nurtured, meaning that I, I got, I got, you know, I got clothes. Like I was like the, I was only, I was the only child for like eight and a half years. And I was very much just that person who everyone was just like, oh my God, like, I want to get you this and this and this. And mm-hmm. I like, you know, I want to help you. And I want to like, you know, I, we, they love me and like, you know, I want to do that. And so it's very much that like fine line between what is privilege and what is not. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that not being privileged is being in those environments where like, you don't have like any of that stuff, but that could mean something to somebody else. Right. Right. They could be like the happiest person, like they could be the happiest people on earth, have everything. And that's their, and that's their form of privilege is that like, I have what I need already. I think that that's the thing that, um, you know, again, you know, you see the goalposts move. Uh, I use that analogy a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that because it is a subjective thing, Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, comparing one to another, well, it depends what you're comparing and how you're comparing. And then you can compare it to this one over here. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, there's so much, but I think really what it comes down to the way that I've kind of, uh, wrestled with it and justified it in my mm-hmm. head, it's, it's just, again, being mindful, yeah. recognizing things that you had or have that others may not have even had that opportunity to do. You know, I think about it as, uh, you know, my parents could never afford to put me into hockey growing up. And I I worship hockey. I love hockey so much. And it was like when I was a little kid, uh, grade three, grade four, and I would see my friends going and playing hockey. Yeah. Like I I never had the privilege of being able to play hockey. It doesn't change anything as to who I am right now. My dad should never take that as an attack uh, if I use that word. But I think that so many people, um, because of... um, the lack of mindfulness when it comes to that. I think they, I think they're afraid of that word sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, like you were saying, it's like, like I wasn't put into any sports during like, like my time as a child. So like that to me was like, I got to see people like do it, like my friends, you know, and I'd look at them and be like, why aren't I doing that? Like, why, like what's, what's, what's stopping me from going to do that? But you know, there was also that aspect of, you know, you have the, 
like I lived on an island for like, you know, almost 10 years. What island did you live on? I lived on uh, Pender Island, BC. Wow. So So just off the coast of Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. So I lived there for like 10 years. And so that for me was like, it was, it was nice to be able to grow up there because I knew that I was safe and my mom and my dad knew that I was safe. And so I was able to be there with my you know, with my sibling, who's about nine years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and so like being able to grow up on that island was like very safe. But at the same time, I also didn't have that privilege of being able to play those sports right? because I lived on such a small you lived on a fucking island. Well, I mean, well right. exactly. Right. Yeah. And like logistically I, it made it real tough. Well, yeah. And I mean, there was like less than like, there's like 50, like 2000 people on that island. Yeah. So like, it was like very much like it's very spread out yeah. and it's like, I don't, I, I just, I really wanted to play those sports. And I was like, I'm a sports guy now. And like, you know, I, you know, I've talked to my mom, like, why didn't I play sports? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was more just like me not having that chance because I lived on an island and I had to go to another island to play sports. And so that would like be something that my mom and my dad would have to, you know, coordinate and like they just didn't want to do it because they were so busy and so like it played more into their lives than it did mine at the time. Yeah. So that's kind of where I see that. Yeah. Um I want to talk a little bit about um and I mean I, again I, I don't want to butcher things and and come across completely politically incorrect but if I do I'm in a safe place to do that. Yeah. I mean I can't say online is a safe place to do that cuz you know that's where you get uh butchered but you know what I'm 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 going to use you as my shield a little bit when it comes to this. I yeah. I mean when it comes to Gen X um I, I look at, and I'm not, I'm not uh, telling any tales out of school. I look at when my brother came out in the nineties um, versus when somebody comes out now and I see mm-hmm. the world being a very different place and uh, for the better, by the way. Um, when my brother came out, it was a really uh, contentious time mm-hmm. um, where you didn't know, even to the point of my parents, yeah. how that was going to go over. Yeah. Um, thank God it went over really, really well. And and my dad, who was blue collar, uh, kind of busted the stereotype in half and said, no, I love you no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. When we lived in a time where it was like, yeah, it was kind of 50-50 that that was yes, going to happen, yeah. especially with dad. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it still that way? Honestly, I think it is. It is. Um, yeah. And it's like growing up in like for example growing up in the gulf islands i was very much like a sheltered person in that sense where like i didn't have that aspect of you know like that community and um and i think it's still that way just because like being here in Kelowna, for example, I think we're living in a place where it's very much a conservative environment yeah and so we're living in a place where people are just so like if I were to say like if I'm you know if I go up to someone and I'm like oh I'm I'm gay and I'm you know and you know I'm I'm not going to say that obviously like in the first interaction but no. like you know but that's something that you know if they suspect or look at you in a different way yep. then they're just like they just you know don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, See, and that when I walk down the street, that is not something that I am even used to. There's a they talk about privilege. Like I I, I I've never really experienced. Unless I'm in a like a real stranger in a strange land, you know, like if I'm on the other side of the world in Thailand or something like that. Okay, uh, yeah, I've never experienced walking down the street um, and maybe a couple words out and then seeing someone's demeanor change the way that you just described that. Yeah, you want to talk about privilege? I've never experienced that. Yeah. Um. And and I mean, I want to give food for thought because at the end of the day, we're all you know on this earth a very very short period yeah. of time, and I mean you know. I'm a peace and love guy when it comes to that. That's just not something that I think many people who have never experienced that have even considered. 
Right. What you just said was really powerful. Yeah. And you're in your mid twenties right now. Yeah. And uh, in 2021 at the time of this broadcast, and you're still feeling that. Yeah. And I'm still feeling it because um, I'm actually part of the LGBTQ community. And so being part of that community has been quite, I guess, life changing for me. I've been out for about five, six years now. Yeah. And so that for me has been like there's been a lot of ups and downs in terms of, you know, what people think of me now and um, how I'm with my partner and everything. And, you know, it's like walking down the street and holding his hand like in Kelowna, just walking down the street like I we get looks constantly. And so, like, we get that look of, you know, like, is it disapproval? Is it like, oh, we've never seen, you know. Uh, is it bewilderment? Walking. Is it? Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Like, <laughs> We've never seen a gay couple walking down the street, right. you know, like what, you know, like that's something that is kind of like really weird for people is just to see like, oh my God, what are, what are they doing? They're holding hands. Like what, you know, they're two guys, you know, that's, we still get that. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's part of that generation as well is that like part of your generation is knowing that like, it's a, you know, there's that stigma that it's like, it's a man and a woman and, right. you know, like, and that could be religious, that could be not, you know, it's, so that's, but that's kind of that generation piece as well. When, you know, when you start to think about that now. Is that a, um, is this aspect that you're talking about of life is, is it an aspect to your counseling? And I guess the other question is, um, has it helped despite whoever your client might be going through this? Has it given you an extra dimension of, um, awareness that maybe I might not even have because I've never felt that I hate to use the word judgment, but that uh, that that feeling that you're talking about, whether it is bewilderment, whether it is judgment, whether it is whatever that is, I've never really felt that before. Do you think that having that awareness is like a another sense? It's another gear that you have that others just might not even know exists. Yeah, and I think I I, I honestly think that I have that awareness of what that you know like you said that judgment and I, I don't like to use that word either because it can come across to people very very you it's know. a loaded word oh yeah yeah it's yeah. a loaded word. Ne- negative yeah. connotation you know like yeah. to it so um but yeah that word can be tr- a trigger word just that word can trigger people oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. well and i always like for like coming back to like that judgment piece it's like saying that like I feel like when I'm talking to clients, for example, if they have um like within relationships and everything like saying that you know, asking questions like why during like a conversation can come across as judgment towards like other people. So like, why are you doing this to me? Or why are you talking to me like this? You know? And so that there's that immediate, like, oh, I'm on the, like I'm being attacked and they're judging me. Like, why are they, they're judging my character. Like I need to say something back like immediately to protect myself. So, and that's a, that's a, trippy high wire act because I think a lot of people don't necessarily intend that. Like, I mean, I go into that all the time. Um, like it's funny in our pre-interview upstairs, um, you know, I, I even said to you, here's, here's a word that is so commonplace in my generation as we were growing up is that person flaming. I said, is that, you know, and that, uh, that is a description word of a certain behavior of a certain person. Yeah. Shorthand that's in my vernacular burned in just as something that you would say, not even even a little bit intended to be offensive, right. but to the right or wrong audience, I guess you'd say that I say that word and they're immediately triggered and they're immediately offended at, which would never in a, in a million years be my intention. Mm-hmm. And I just see that happening. I feel yeah. like we're birthing something as a culture right now in North oh, yeah. America um, where we're all trying to figure out, like even in the uh, LGBTQ community, yeah. 
um, I see divisions yeah. where certain one, certain people will say, um, yes, this is okay. Certain people will say, no, this is not okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I see that, I see that all over the place, this fragmentation, when at the end of the day, the solution just needs to be that mindfulness and that, okay, like I, I would love to be given the ability to know if ever I say something inadvertently that triggers somebody or makes mm-hmm. them upset and, and be given the ability to say, oh, that is not what I meant to do. That was not my intention whatsoever. Please accept apology or or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then you, you combine that with the rage culture that we have here where it's hair trigger and the moment I am triggered. Okay. Now it's, now I got full license to unload both barrels on somebody and boy, oh boy, the, the, the growing pains that we are going through right now. And you're a counselor in the middle of all that. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's uh, like, yeah, it's a lot to take in just because I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of friends who are in that kind of like, community who are experiencing these things and so being a being a counselor it's like there's just so many things people are dealing with and i have the i have the privilege of being able to get to talk to these people about these things oh what a great way to talk what a great way to say that and look at it that way and you do truly look at it that way like davis you're a guy there what you see is what you get yeah and you do truly look at it like a privilege yeah oh and i i i come to work every day and I know that's a privilege for me because I'm because I know there's people who don't get to have that. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm very much I'm very much privileged in that sense. I um I think about the attributes that I would want in a counselor and it's somebody who I would feel comfortable being able to open up with someone who uh, wouldn't judge me. Um, somebody who who maybe could share their life experience with me or their point of view with me or their um, or their insights with me. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've got some blind spots, I'd love some people to shine the light on those blind spots so I can I can see them. Oh, yeah. um, you are all of those things. Mm-hmm. I hope you know that. Like, I yeah. hope I hope you know that that is that's who you are. Like yeah. um, and for those out there who are thinking about counseling they've been Mm -hmm. maybe there are guys out there who are listening to this i promise you there are guys out there who are listening to this who have been told hey maybe you might want to see a counselor yeah or maybe they themselves might have thought you know and um i want to help those people get to that place where they get to that precipice where they are able to jump off and feel that freedom that you you were talking about yeah it can literally change their entire course of the rest of their life yeah you know yeah do you do you um does that fuck with your mind sometimes when you think about i can actually Sometimes like that breakthrough session six, that one there. Yes. You know, that person is going to be on a completely different trajectory because they spent some time with you. Yeah. And it's it. I, I don't think about it in the moment in time. I just do my job and that's that, you know, that's what it is. And then when I and then when I think about it, when they leave the room or when they leave the session, I go, that's something that they are working on that they wanted to tell me. And they wanted to come and see me and they thought that I looked a certain way. And, you know, especially like reading my biography on the website and everything, Mm -hmm. it's like that's something that people look at as well as like, you know, um, I want either a man or a woman as a counselor or do I want somebody who like I or I don't care or somebody from the community, like from the LGBTQ plus community. Like I wanting to seek someone who is part of that community. So it's very much like what you said, like, you know. I look for this and this and this in a counselor. Right. You know, so there's a lot of people who want that, who want the same things as you do, but they also want that, also that other aspect of, oh, I also want him to be, you know, 
26 and I want him to be, you know, I want him to be, you know, (laughs) have that young mind aspect and I want him to have this and this, you know, so that's, and that also comes into question is, am I ready for counseling? Ah, there you go. Um, as we're, I told you it was going to go by fast and it's, we're already, we're already at the place where we're going to start wrapping up. Um, if there was one thing that you wanted to say to somebody, um, who was maybe dealing with these types of fears, these trepidations, knowing that they got stuff that's there, um, not knowing what's going to happen, you know, um, not knowing, um, what it would take to kind of get rid of that hesitancy and say, okay, I want to go and talk to somebody. I want to look at counseling. Um, what would you say to those people right now that are listening? I would say to them, don't be afraid to shed your emotions and being able to talk about those things that are vulnerable because being in that safe space within that safe space with that counselor um, is going to benefit you in the long run. How will it benefit them in the long run? by being able to be vulnerable and having that space to talk about what they've been going through. Mm-hmm. Being able to let go of some of the things they're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. able to kind of feel like they got a clean slate. Yeah, and being able to talk. Yeah. And that's something that not a lot of men that I've worked with have the had the privilege of doing when they were a kid, is being able to talk. What I like to say to people too is, is because uh, I mean, I'm not a counselor by any stretch, but I, but I'm a card carrying member of of uh, counseling is good, yeah. um, talking is good, being vulnerable yeah, yeah. is good. I'm a, you know, um, I've seen it, and I, I know what it's like to be balled up um, mm-hmm. in that place and tight, holding on to things, mm-hmm. and 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 the word that I use when it comes to being vulnerable, and I mean, it could be on a counseling level, but the whole thing about he changed it is that. It's, it, we're creating a place where guys can go and be vulnerable. They can be vulnerable anonymously mm-hmm. and whatnot. That vulnerability is freedom. Yeah, it literally is freedom. And 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 so many men out there have never experienced that freedom because they're just so tight mm-hmm. and bound. Mm-hmm. And 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 being that vulnerable isn't unbinding. Mm-hmm. You oh, know. Yeah. And once they're able to talk, like I I have a client in particular right now uh, who is just who spoke to me saying that I could sit here for an hour and not talk because that's how I grew up was just sitting there and not talking. And so, but now that I'm with them they're they've been talking to me like they've known me my whole life. Right. Or they've like, you know, they're a completely different person now because they're able to just talk. Wow. They're a completely br- different person now just because they can talk, mm-hmm. <sighs> man. Um, I appreciate your insights into this. Um, when you saw what he changed it is doing, this course that we're building uh, is yeah. going to be a great oh, it's course. It's so exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. To get and, yeah. and as we, um, it was funny because we had all sorts of different um, folks on this on this panel and, and from different walks of life and whatnot. And I remember a couple of times when people from He Changed It might, might kind of say something out yeah. there. Um, the intrigue of what, what we're building here yeah. was just, it was really infectious and the excitement was created and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what is it about he changed it that you like so much? Oh my goodness. I actually listened to some of the podcasts that you, that you had done before actually coming here. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool to kind of see different people's perspectives on, you know, like 
men's mental health and what they're going through and um it's just cool and i downloaded the app like a week ago so i'm like i'm, right I'm just being able to kind of see what the app is like and like all of these like things of like i was looking at like the food recipes and everything i was like this is so exciting like i need, I need to get to i want to do this oh <laughs> so, yeah. that's awesome yeah and yeah. and i mean and it's funny because uh, well i mean you and you've seen it you've seen behind yeah. the curtain a little bit more than most other people like you've seen this course you ain't seen nothing yet like this is the the, the app is like nothing compared to what the aspirations of the app yeah. are but already there's this buzz and there's excitement about it yeah. um i can't thank you enough for being part of this he changed it journey um now if anybody hears this podcast mm-hmm. and they want to they, they they feel um the same kind of thing that i felt when i first saw you um they feel that uh, that being drawn to you what's the best way for people to reach out to you um best way to reach out to me is to contact me through the William and Associates Counseling Services. So okay. that's something that is that a dot com William and Associates yeah, Counseling so, com, uh, It's actually so we go by WAX. So we go by WACS.ca. Okay. So you can find us on there. And um, if you're wanting to reach out and ha- wanting to talk, even if it's just one session, come on in. Awesome. Uh, do you do your social media is public or anything like that? Or are you keeping? No, I'm going to no, keep this more professional. Like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, so my social media. So my Instagram is Davis underscore counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I go by like my personal account I have, which is uh, DJ Wiggs um, at DJ Wiggs on Instagram. DJ Wiggs sounds like uh, that. That sounds cool. <laughs> well, it's DJ part of my Wiggs. well, it's part of my middle name. So I just kind of abbreviated it. Yeah. So it was cool. Yeah. Are you a John as well? Uh, no, James. James. Yeah. I'm a Michael John. <laughs> Oh, nice. I'm an yeah. MJ. <laughs> nice. Yeah. DJ is, I've, I've gone by DJ a couple of times with a few of my friends. So um, might as well just go by that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm on those and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently in the midst of becoming a registered counselor. That's uh, super cool. Um, I hope very, very much so that um, when you enter that next phase and you do start to specialize and start to create your own getting out from uh, from under the, the the shadow of an organization. And I say that without any um, disparagement, I'm just really excited to watch you fly. And oh, yeah. and as you Thank do you. that, yeah. I hope that you will come back and you will let us know how you are creating your own uh, persona within the counseling world and your own practice. And I hope that you'll keep us posted. I hope that uh, we can see you in the app as well and we can figure out ways and tools to do that. Yeah. Um, Um, I can't thank you enough for the piece of the puzzle that you have been with. He changed it. I thank you so much for helping with this course that's coming up. I thank you for being vulnerable, being a guest today. Uh, By the way, you'd never know it's his first podcast, would you? Um, You're just (laughs) you're just such an awesome guy and you are a bright light in this world, Davis. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be part of this today. Yeah, no. And thank you for letting me be here and being part of my first podcast. It was it was nervous in the beginning, but I feel so comfortable in this space. And, you know, we know each other from, you know, doing the communications (laughs) course. And so now that I'm able to do this podcast, it's able to, you know, talk about these things. And, you know, it's it's so awesome being able to just be here in your presence and having that you know conversation with you about just certain topics that i would never thought i would have with with someone so it's great my man well the vulnerability is amazing and i appreciate it so much and that's what happens they go by that fast that's another episode of he cast again um reach out to davis if you want to uh check it check out what it is that he does in his um i mean counseling is, is one of those things where 
um, you know, you, you figure out a personal attachment and you move towards that. I certainly felt that with, with Davis from the moment I met him and, uh, and you all can see why, uh, really grateful for the conversations that we have. Um, I'm going to end the podcast the way that I began it. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button, please share, um, uh, download the app, check out the, he changed it movement. We are a mental performance app, mental wellness app for men that is uh, going to change the world. We're going to take back that phrase man up and turn it into something beautiful uh, compared to what it has been in the past. This has been another episode of HeCast, the official podcast of He Changed It. My name is Mike Chisholm. Go change something.